0: Hello and welcome to the Business of Authority. I'm Jonathan Stark.
1: And I'm Rochelle Moulton.
0: And today we're going to talk about when to DIY.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, let let me tee this up because this is not the episode we thought we were going to record. But um, so Jonathan, we know that you took last week off to work on your bathroom renovation. Yeah. Right. And so I was teasing him. Uh, I guess last night via Slack and said, where are the pictures? I haven't seen the pictures. And so finally this morning, he sends me like 90 photos. And I'm really excited to go through them because, you know, I love demos. This is, I love this kind of stuff. Mm. And so I'm thinking I'm going to see like the demo and then I'm going to see like the new bathroom. And I get to the end of the, of the pictures and we're still at the demo, like the demo's done, (laughs) (laughs) but there's no new bathroom yet.
0: Yeah. So yeah. yeah,
1: so so what we started to do is we started to talk about all right. So um, why would you demo this yourself? And so Jonathan, I mean, that was pretty much my first question. Is like, so there are probably a gazillion people in your area that you could hire to do this who have a lot more experience than you do in in doing a bathroom. What made you decide to do it yourself?
0: Mm. Yeah, and this does tie into business decisions for you know when when to do things on your own, when to hire them, and so forth. So we stick promise. with us, yes, promise. So it would be easy to say it'll be a half or less the price for me to do it, but that's not really that's not really a big piece of the decision. the The biggest piece of the decision to do it was that we've been in this house. We first toured this house, I think, in the summer of two thousand six when we were looking. And that day, we were like, this place is perfect, but we have to immediately redo this bathroom. That was <laughs> 17 years ago. And not one single thing has changed in that bathroom in 17 years. Because every time we talk about it, it spirals. We just go around in this circle. And I, I, I do this in my head, and I've talked to other people who do it in their head too, where there's this thing called yak shaving, <laughs> which people who know know, but it's kind of like, it's kind of like, well, if we're going to redo the vanity, then we need to redo the tile behind it. And the tile goes all the way around the bathroom. So we have to do the entire tile. And if we're going to take all the tile out, then we have to take the tub out. But it's a cast iron tub, which means you have to smash it out and there'll be some structural things underneath it probably. And we'll have to redo the plumbing. If we have to redo the plumbing. Da, 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 mm-hmm. Now all of a sudden you're like, yep. you know, it's a full, you can't just fix one thing because it's like, well, if we're going to do that, we might as well. So the scope creep is like incredible and and then you do nothing you come back around to well it's fine it's fine it's fine and it's not fine i mean it was awful the bathroom's awful it was leaky it was non-functional um, really needed to be redone a long time ago so the number one reason why we're doing it ourselves was because we, we needed to break the paralysis and that was a way to dramatically decrease the complexity of getting started. By just taking a sledgehammer to the vanity and being like, well, we're in it now. (laughs) So so
1: wait before you go too far with that, so so you you've got some proposals or some bids?
0: Yeah, over the years we've had people in for other things and like, well, you know, if we were gonna do the if we were gonna do this bathroom, what would that look like? And the the level of uncertainty and the the number of decisions, it just it geometrically expands as soon as you have other people involved. So, you know, first of all, the pr- the prices are like fifty, sixty five, seventy five thousand dollars for for like a little bathroom, and and okay,
1: it seems like it, a lot.
0: If that's the price, that's the price. But there, there's also like you know, I and mean, we you know we don't know if this is a load bearing wall. We don't know how the plumbing's run. Mm-hmm. The house is from the '30s, so it's almost hundred years old. We could find anything in there. We might have to open up the kitchen ceiling to get at the plumbing cast iron snow how we're gonna have you never watched
1: property brothers of course there's something lurking behind yeah there's (laughs) always something lurking especially in an old house
0: yeah and the bathroom had been sort of refinished a couple times so you know there were like two layers of tile on the floor but you know all of these there's just like so many unknown unknowns and and the people that we that that we did talk to about it Rightly so, we're setting expectations about all the surprises that they have found on projects like this in the past, and it just—it just fed the paralysis. It was like we do not want the kitchen ceiling ripped open. You know, it's just like so much, so so many. Just the complexity of the job was added to the sort of nerve-wracking inability to pull the trigger. Plus, the—I don't know about other places, but around here it's extremely difficult to get anybody to show up to even like, you know, to get someone to, to return a phone call even. And so you you don't feel like you're getting the cream of the crop. You don't feel like you're getting, it feels like anybody that it does show up is probably not that great, not that busy.
1: Right. Uh, not busy enough.
0: right. And so anybody good, it was going to be a big waiting list. And uh, it's just like, and then once, and once you make that decision and you, you pick the horse, you're riding that horse to the end. So if, and, you know right. my my. You'd have,
1: rather ride your own horse than somebody else's.
0: Yeah, there's just so much uncertainty, so much uncertainty. And you know, I I have family members who have sued people that that you know just left a job half done and disappeared with the deposit. And there's horror horror stories abound. And even people I know who are tradespeople that I know well are like, oh, we're booked out three months, man. We can't, you know, you know. And so then it just gets pushed off and pushed off. And 17 years later you still have this leaky tub. So it was weird. I don't know what was in the air, but but one day Erica and I almost just like looked at each other and like we should just demo the bathroom ourselves. We should just do it. And because she's great at, at design and finishes and all mm-hmm. of that stuff. She can tile. She's tiled a bunch of stuff. I've done all of the construction and demo work in the past. So, I mean, we have the skills to do it. Yes, an expert would be way faster and way better. And, you know, instead of me up What you know? Teaching myself how to cap off plumbing on YouTube for an hour the night before, and then doing it the next day. Instead of that, it would be someone who just does it every day, and they'd come in and boom, boom, boom. It would take them fifteen minutes. It took me like three hours.
1: This is what's so fascinating, though, because I just know anybody listening to this in our usual audience is going to go, "Yeah, I've had clients like that where I could come in and I could do this thing that I do." way faster than they could with Mm -hmm. a higher degree of confidence that it's gonna be right. But they chose to do it themselves. Why did they do that? Right. That's what's so and 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 the other piece I'm hearing is that like there was uncertainty either way. Like because you you didn't necessarily know just because you did it yourself doesn't mean that you know what's behind the walls. Right. You could still we still might have had to open up the
0: kitchen ceiling.
1: Right. Right. Which you didn't Mm -hmm. I judging from your your emails during this period
0: (laughs) (laughs) no yeah so it's it's the it's the it's the uncertainty. it's the making the bet and i've heard um i've talked to sort of like this is a long story but but people who have hired me in the past talking about the process of hiring like developers to work on a project and and the fear of of like is this am i going to be happy with this experience and there's no way for a non-expert to judge the capabilities of the expert you know it's it's like so this is it's really the exercise is very has been very interesting for me because for the level of trust that you need to have in in a scenario like this where you you just got like um a non-expert Uh, enough skill to be dangerous like all software Mm -hmm. developers have had that client was like oh i know enough to be dangerous like they literally say that and a lot of times they're the worst kind of client because then they're asking you a million questions about how you're doing it and they've got opinions about how it should be done is sort of uninformed opinions which would have been me on this project Mm -hmm. the bathroom project and i knew that
1: poking your nose in yeah
0: yeah exactly which is hard
1: not to do because they're in your house
0: right it, even just out of pure curiosity, like, oh, why are you doing it like that? Like, I want to know why it's like mm-hmm. that. I want to, you know, it would be so annoying. It would have been so annoying. It would have been frustrating for me and for them. Uh, so the, so to, to flip it around, like to use your, your, the point that you just made about, you know, like, why did this client, why does this client insist on messing with things when, when I can just do it so much faster and easier because they can't believe it. It's like the trust. They, well, it's, it's trust, trust, really. Exactly. Yeah. It's pure trust or yeah. or um, ability. So I, I put some of that on myself as well. You know, it's not just that it's just impossible. It's next to impossible to air quotes, know that the experience of the project is going to be pleasurable. Like if, if somebody said um, it's $50,000 and I'm going to snap my fingers and it's going to be done and it's going to look like this that you wanted. Mm -hmm. That's a no brainer, Mm -hmm. but that's not a project. Projects are like these relatively long, drawn out, collaborative, extended series of decisions, lots of, um, lots of project communication. And I just wasn't up for it. You know, I was like, this will take three or four times longer if I do it myself. And there were probably some things that could have been done better at the end, but the, the, complexity of the decisions is way way lower like geometrically lower and to me that was like that was the thing that 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 was the only thing that was going to get us off the fence really
1: so so there's trust so you in this case you didn't have an option that you trusted um i'm gonna argue we could get yeah, yeah yeah And I'm going to because there might have been one, but if they're not available, then it's not available.
0: Yeah. <laughs>
1: and and I'm going to argue that there is a control issue here because that's I'm hearing that like you wanted to be in control of the process and the experience.
0: Well, the, I want the experience to be the way I want it to be, which I want it to be a pleasurable experience. Like every yeah, every client's going to want that. The yeah. control, uh, well, if we hired someone and, and they demonstrated in the early days of the project that they were just a plus. I'd leave them alone, but it would be too late at that point.
1: But but that's what I mean, though. It's not about like micromanaging. It's about on the front end, you have a lot more control doing it this way than you would the other way. You're at the mercy of the person you've hired at that point. Oh, I have another job. Sorry, I'll see you in two weeks. Or worse, they don't tell you that. They just don't show up. And you're calling them. They don't call you back. I mean, everybody's had contractors like that. Right. But then the other thing is the what I would call your perceived experience like you consciously chose this because it was a better perceived experience for you than the level of unknown with hiring somebody to do it
0: mhm so let me contrast this with something that happened in roughly the same time frame for me so i have a uh, a, a martin acoustic guitar which is a beautiful expensive uh, gift that i got in the early 90s and it's made out of wood, just like the bathroom, <laughs> and and it, uh, due to humidity and heat and fluctuation of the wood, the binding started to snap off and of become detached, and the bridge was pulling away from the body. So it it needed mm-hmm. some repair work. There's no universe in which I could do that. Mm-hmm. S- so That's I have. Y- there's just no like I don't know enough to be dangerous. I n- I would surely ruin the piece. There's no, there's no way. So I found someone who was a recommendation from a vintage guitar store in my neighborhood that recommends this one particular guy. And I, I left a $4,000 guitar with this guy I just met. See ya. Mm -hmm. Like I drove to his house and put it in his garage. (laughs) And but, see, so that, but see
1: the difference, though. See the yeah, difference. Yeah, that's my point. Because right. you're handing it off versus inviting them in to mess up your life.
0: Right. It's not a project for me. So, it, first of all, no capability to do it. Second of all, it's not an invasion of – it's not going to be in my face. And it took them like three months.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You know, but uh, – And it was so expensive, right? Yeah. But it's, it's just a completely different decision. So – that, I, I think that's pretty interesting. So now if you just for a second, if we flip this to like it, us as people selling authority type services, the the sort of black box nature and the, the super clear desired outcome, because the desired outcome was like, I want this guitar back as close to new as possible. There's no question about like, oh, is this exactly where you want the sconce? Is this how you want the tile oriented? There's not a million decisions to make. It's just repair this, get it back to the way it was, and mm-hmm. it was a very, very clear success criteria. And it was it required literally zero of my involvement other than dropping it off and paying for it.
1: Well, you would rely on his assessment of as close to new as possible, right? That it sounds right. and, correct and, and, and it works right. correctly.
0: And when I dropped it off, you know, I'm in this in this huge garage outfitted with every you know, outfitted for nothing but luthier guitar repair type stuff. And the dude was like, obviously a master craftsman. I mean, like the stuff mm-hmm. hanging on the wall was just insane. Yeah. So instant, like as soon as I walked in, it was just some residential, you know, little area, but you walk in the garage and you're like, okay, this guy is a master. And, and he talked, but he still taught a great bedside manner, talked to me for like 15 minutes about, about, Any of my concerns, where the thing was, had been stored, what I could do in the future once it was fixed, all this other stuff very much put me at ease. But then I could just leave it, leave, forget about it and just know that at some point, he didn't even tell me how long it would take, but at some point it would be done. And it's, that is like a service like that is such an easier impulse buy. It feels, that feels like a productized service to me or, um, or like a product, you know, like, or a course or a workshop.
1: I'd push it closer to a product just because you're not interacting. I mean, just at the beginning, Yeah. but then they do their thing and then they hand it back to you. But I think a lot of, a lot of our, our listeners are people who have a thing that is involved and Mm -hmm. it's not that you can just go away and do it and bring it back and polish it up for the client. It's, they have to be involved in it. So the experience is really critical. And then you know, I mentioned trust control, the perceived experience. I think the other thing is the time trade-off, mm-hmm. right? So you traded off time, maybe for this, for this in the bathroom. And I say maybe because if the person had disappeared, it would probably take just as much time, elapsed time. It would take more yeah, your calendar time. time. Right. Yes. But so there's there's that. So it's when you start to think about how your client makes these decisions the first thing that struck me was, oh yeah, I mean, I can see why somebody might say, you know what, I'm just going to do this myself. This is too hard. It's too, you're asking too much of me and I don't trust you enough to know that you can get me there. Sure. You got all these other people there, but I don't know about me. Right. I don't feel like I can get there.
0: Right. Even if, even if it's like, I might be a bit, like I said before, like I would probably be not the greatest client because I don't want to, I'm not just going to, go to the house and, and the Cape and come back and it'll be done. See so mm-hmm. That that would have been a, we had our floors done like that. Like that would have been a, a, an interesting approach to be like, we're going to be out of town for a week or two weeks or however long. And then that would put a real deadline window on them. And and then we just come back and it would be done. the The impossibility of that would be that we would need to be apprised of surprises. We would need to make decisions about, finishes you know there's just no way that it wouldn't be collaborative there would have had to been so much pre-work you know like waterfall software development there would have had so much like this is going to be the design this is going to be it's not like it's not like one of those design shows where you know uh some kid gets their elderly parent out of the house for a weekend and you know like a design team comes in and redoes the bathroom and they're just like hope they like it you know (laughs) we we were going to be really picky about it
1: well, I mean, and there are ways around it. Like you could hire a designer, like in the thing with the vacation, you hire a designer who makes sure, because a designer in conjunction with a builder, it's like they're covering all aspects of the brain mm-hmm. and you can have the right designers going to push all those questions to you in advance. You're going to choose everything. You you will have ordered it so that all it all arrives. And by the way, let me just comment. I know Erica was involved in that and I was <laughs> chuckling because she had everything arrive. She opened the boxes, checked everything. Yeah. So like you kind of had a designer in this case, but most people, if you do the going away thing, you probably need another team member. So if you're doing like brand strategy and you have a designer, you know, graphic designer help you, you bring other people into the process, or maybe you have a copywriter that you use. And when, sometimes when you do those things, it allows you to make a different promise to your client and make it easier for them to hire you. Mm. But if, this is the stuff that goes through people's heads when mm. they decide.
0: So let me let me t- pile on another business thing here because I did a consultation recently with a person who does brand related stuff and was trying and had a had kind of like a, a two option two option offering. It was like you know good better best style thing, but was having a lot of trouble with the the middle option. And the 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 first option was basically like a half day workshop where where like I'll teach you everything I know I'll give you all my tools and then you just go do it you know and then the mm-hmm. the top option was like completely done for you minimal involvement by the client uh, maximum involvement by the consultant and, and very very high ticket but then the middle one was kind of a watered down version of the top one and. And she kept on saying when we were talking about it, it was just like you know instead of like it being 100% thorough, it was like 50% thorough. And instead of it being like 20 frameworks or 40 frameworks, it was only five of the you know the 80 20 rule kind of thing. And as and and yeah,
1: why would I buy that?
0: Yeah, that's yeah one thing. But I was at the same time from the client perspective, since I was totally, you know, I was the fresh eyes from the, from my perspective, I didn't really see the difference between this level two and level three, because it was a whole bunch of deliverables and inputs that were meaningless to me. So I was like, well, if I'm going to get the desired outcome with, with both, if I'm going to get a pretty good outcome with the middle one, why would I spend three times more for the one that's a little bit better? Maybe, I don't know. So that's faster right and so i was like oh you know what it is it's it's like instead of making and the other funny thing was she was like it would actually be harder for me to do this because because it's not the way she likes to work it's not um it was it was it would actually make her job harder yeah to do the middle one the cheaper one and i was like all right so so in the sort of classic three tier format the bottom you've got diy Training and tools, and then you're off to the races. The top option you've got completely concierge, white glove, done for you, turnkey. And in the middle, you uh, done with you, and and her middle one wasn't done with you. It was just a small done for you. And I was like, oh right. So in order for the buyer to perceive how much better the done for you, the third top option was, the second one should take them way longer and require way more input from them. So a real like like my bathroom feels or would feel like, so it was, and, and that, that was counterintuitive to her first, because it seemed like the, the time involved, her time involved should increase at each level. So the middle one should be less time than, than, mm-hmm. than the third one. Are, am I, am I explaining this well?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Cause it, the thing is though, what strikes me is, do you need a second option?
0: Yeah, she definitely did.
1: Okay. Cause where I go with that is if I don't want to work the way that the second option you know has to be in quotes, then I'm not going to offer it. Um, I, right. I would want to switch it around and find something that has a value and an outcome that's worth the price and in a way that I can be excited about delivering it.
0: And that's what we did. So so instead of it being a miniature version of three, we turned it into a combination of one and three. So it was truly the middle that, that she would be happy. To deliver so yeah, it was like that's the key right so was training like option one but then sort of like office hours and guidance but not implementation and so the 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 client with her oversight would still be doing all the work but she would stay involved while they did it and she would you know offer guidance when they were getting stuck or when they were getting hung up or whatever mm-hmm. and and she was like oh yeah i could do that all day long and it would increase the the likelihood of success would be higher than with option one, but the the downside of it, which was critical that we got this downside in there, was that it was going to take like I can't remember exactly, but if if option I think it was going to take like four months instead of option three, which only takes like six weeks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that makes sense. Yeah, you so paid it's for kind speed. of. Right. Because it's kind of where before it was like four weeks and then option three was six weeks. It's like, well, that sounds better. Four weeks sounds better and cheaper. So (laughs) anyway, I just wanted to, that occurred to me was since we were talking about, you were talking about branding and also the experience of the project and the time, the calendar time from when you start to when you finish, because that increases the client's opportunity cost, which they don't like.
1: And there's also situations where And this may be more common when you have uh, non-corporate B2B clients, where you have a client, you've talked to them, you've kind of laid out the process, and they're still kind of doing it themselves. They haven't said no yet, but they're going through this process that it's kind of like they're selling themselves on hiring somebody because when they're doing it themselves, it's not working. And that could be marketing, it could be selling, it could be like development for somebody who's like one of your clients who goes, oh, yeah, I know just enough to be dangerous. I think I'm going to give that a shot. I'm going to do my own website. Eh. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, and I think that's what happens sometimes as well, which is why when somebody says no, a lot of times what they're really saying is not yet.
0: Not yet, right. Because if I, if I sawzall through my live plumbing, I'm going to be like, forget it. I'm not qualified Uh for this. Uh, I'm (laughs) going to pull the ripcord and just, and, and I learned my lesson and uh, you know, like if there's some catastrophe, I could learn my lesson and then be like, Oh, 50,000 doesn't sound that bad. Or putting up with (laughs) some workmen in the house for a week doesn't sound that bad.
1: Yeah. I mean, you know, before the show, I was telling you that my, my, um, my one story of uh, besides painting of do it yourself, which involved going to. Um, Lowe's and buying a mini sledgehammer because I couldn't swing the big one. Like I literally couldn't, I could lift it up, but I couldn't swing it. And so I just all, my only project was to demo a closet that had a bunch of these old shelves on it. Like, I can do this. So I was like so excited about having a sledgehammer. Like I've never had one, <laughs> even though it was kind of small, it wasn't very manly looking for sure. But anyway, Sledging. so I, I swung it. And I hit the thing, and it just bounced off. Nothing happened. I'm like, man. So I swing it again, and boom, nothing happens. And I'm like, oh my god, I'm tired. I'm not used to like <laughs> swinging a 30 pound thing in the air and have it do nothing. I'm like, I could be at this all day. Hey. And I, I put it down. In this case, I will admit, I called my husband, and he he agreed to do it because it was such a small such a small project. But if it if he hadn't been there, I would have called my handy guy and said, hey. Just do this. I don't care. Charge me what you need to do, but do this. I just didn't want to spend my time doing it. It sounded like fun. I had the goggles. I had the sledge, but it wasn't. It was not how I wanted to spend my time. It was like a romantic idea of how I wanted to spend some time. That's so. Go ahead.
0: Yeah, that's a really good point. Is that is that um, the bathroom project sounded like fun to me? Yeah. Like it doesn't. It doesn't make sense. Like why would that sound like fun? But. Uh, it did, it gives, there's something, there's this empowerment, because like, we're not planning on never moving from this house, like, this is it, and, and the level of, um, yeah, empowerment's the right word, it's just like, to, there's a bit of catharsis, because we've been, been wrestling with the deficiencies of this bathroom for a long time we've been living with them and it's not it's not just visual like there are problems like structural and mechanical problems in the bathroom that have been super you know like a pebble in your shoe but for 15 Mm -hmm. years or whatever i said and so it's sort of cathartic to kind of smash the whole thing down and be like i cannot believe you know and like get into the shower wall and the reality is you don't need to open up the kitchen ceiling and it was really not that big a deal and we wouldn't have had to retile the whole bathroom and like all of the, the the decision-making processes that kept us paralyzed turned out, in retrospect, to have been unfounded. And knowing the the sort of having a, a more than enough to be dangerous knowledge of the systems in this place where I will probably live for the rest of my life uh, or close to it is super empowering. It's like, oh, well, if something happens, I know exactly where to do the mm-hmm. thing and what needs to be done and how to do it and where to get the stuff and what stuff to get. Control. So it's kind of an investment. Yeah. Am I coming across like a control freak?
1: I'm not saying it in that way though. It's, this is a value because there's nothing wrong with this being exciting to you. Like, why is that bad? Like we all like what we like. And you know, I just refuse to judge people for that. Yeah. Right. So, but it's, it's that control. And then the other piece, if you think about this is that, afterwards when it's all done the two of you have a bonding story much of the whole family but you can say oh remember yeah. when we did that and this remember, happened totally totally yeah and look at that tile you see how the, like that one little that one. corner is out of place <laughs> remember how that happened because uh-huh. the dog came in and and yeah. rushed me and i did this thing so yeah <laughs> there, it's a bonding experience and the, yeah. i think what's really important here is what you're showing by talking about this is you're showing what was in your mind at the time you made the purchase decision, what led right. up to it, what, what the purchase decision was, or in this case, wasn't, and then what happens after. Mm. And the second that we understand that this is what our buyers are going through, we can figure out how to appeal to them. Now, in yep. this case, it would have been really hard for somebody to, uh, to be hired by you. You probably were just not their ideal client,
0: Yeah, I would have been a bad. I would have been a bad client.
1: But even that, though, I'm I'm saying I'm not sure you would have that you could have been convinced to buy. It was a very narrow set of circumstances, and because what you were looking for is local, right? You can't go, oh, there's the perfect guy, but he's in Seattle, right? And that's not going to help here, right? So yeah, because if if you've got a national or international practice, you could find perhaps enough Jonathan's to Mm -hmm. make a business but not in this case
0: right right yeah the supply is just like massively constricted you know Mm -hmm. so there's no i mean every every time so you know we live in a neighborhood a lot of people have dogs so a lot of people are walking dogs and i'm you know all day long i'm like bringing debris out to the the driveway (laughs) and uh so people get to talk in and i would say if i talk to five people four of them gave me a recommendation for, oh, I've got a guy, I've got a guy, (laughs) all different, all different people. It's like, I'll call them, you know, it's, it's almost like this black market of plumbers or whatever, Mm -hmm. where everybody's got a guy that they trust. And, and I do, that does actually work on me because it's, well, it's a different story, but, but, but now that (laughs) I'm like, this is my defense against AI because now I know how to do plumbing. (laughs) (laughs) And that's never going to go out of style Well,
1: it's good yeah you can you can always make money doing plumbing
0: yeah, yeah no, i'm just kidding but of course the the it's interesting to it's just sort of a, a tangent but the when the supply is so constrained the level the wor- word of mouth is like through the roof like people are having mm-hmm. rolodex moments walking their dogs by me like they're walking their dog past me and you're like hey do you need a plumber <laughs> i see you <laughs> i see you've got a bunch of copper pipe in your hand and, uh, you know, and they know I'm the homeowner cause we're all neighbors and, and, but the, the Rolodex moments are just off the charts when there's a, a an, um, a, an obvious need or an obvious, uh, possibly obvious need. And, and this understanding, this sort of shared understanding that it's impossible to get these, get people to come to the house and do anything, Yeah. you know? Yeah. You need yeah. Like a I'm- back channel.
1: It's I mean it is so interesting and I think that the reason I wanted us to talk about this today is just because it's so easy to see because most of us have had to hire somebody for our homes to do something that either worked out wonderfully or the opposite. Mm-hmm. And it's so fascinating to see what goes through people's minds. And if you just want a microcosm of this, whatever city you're in, go to the door app <laughs> for your city and your neighborhood and God, I hope it's not just mine. But you'll get these people going, oh, so-and-so was great. And then somebody else will go, oh, I want somebody who's cheap and fast and great. You know, <laughs> you, you know the rule, right? Iron you can triangle. only get two of those. But um, yeah, so people's expectations are all over the lot. And if in the way we define our ideal client, the way we understand what they're looking for, and then the way we craft our options for them, if, when those all mesh It's amazing, but in this situation, there probably was no one as a general contractor who you would have hired. Like they would have wasted their time calling on you and doing a proposal. And that's part of the advantage though, is like understanding where they're coming from and recognizing the signs Mm -hmm. that they are not a fit.
0: You actually just brought up something that hadn't consciously occurred to me until just now, which is that I don't like being on such a, like, have zero negotiation power zero mm-hmm. like it's it's not really about the money but but control you presented <laughs> not <it's, laughs> yeah i don't see it like that it's it's more nuanced than that i think that it's like it's like everything it's, it's almost like every conversation would be like an ultimatum you know because the because the supply and demand are so mismatched where we live
1: so give me an example
0: like somebody it, it, there's no there's no like competition between the sellers so you can say whatever they want
1: mm-hmm.
0: you know uh, give you you know you've you've certainly surely i don't know if you've ever had this experience personally but i'm sure you've had worked with people who've talked about giving somebody the jesus price so like i don't like think they i've don't, heard
1: the jesus price no. yeah this
0: is a it's a chris moyer quote my uh my last boss but uh you know you don't really want the job because you're busy or maybe you're seeing some red flags so you give them a price that's so high they go jesus
1: oh <laughs> Okay.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and they just like don't want the job, but if you're gonna pay me that much, I'll squeeze it into the schedule. And there's mm-hmm. just no I mean, I don't I guess I just don't like the 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 imbalance. The I mean
1: So what you're saying, I think, is so if you were getting these fifty thousand dollar quotes, there's a part of you that thinks it's a thirty thousand dollar job, but they're saying fifty. Because they have all the control. So you're paying more than you need to.
0: Well, I'm paying what I need to to get them to do it, which is, Mm -hmm. so here's the other funny thing, like, like if somebody said, so those are more buying decisions, right? So this is kind of, this is, this whole episode is kind of turning into a jobs to be done interview where somebody made a purchase decision one way or the other. And, and then you kind of interview them about what was exactly going through their minds. And it's always so fascinating how complicated it is. It's mm-hmm. so much more complicated than like, here are the benefits, here's the price, take it or leave it. And uh, one of the things that happened, I've noticed, is that when I go to like Home Depot or Lowe's or something, I don't even look at the prices. It's all way cheaper than having somebody do it, right? So it's like- That's
1: what they did for you, right? They, right. they, they, they adjusted your- They anchored
0: your- high, right? Yeah. They set a high anchor. I almost bought a $300 nail gun yesterday for a single use. <laughs> <laughs> because there's not not a ton of room to use a regular hammer mm-hmm. I'm like no nah, I'll, I'll end up this will just end up taking up space in the garage like that was the main reason I didn't buy it you know because
1: yeah, you could justify it if you wanted it for something else you're like oh, I might as well buy it for this yeah if I was gonna, gonna use it twice itself. it would
0: have made sense mm-hmm. but yeah so you just go in and it's like you know sheer it's like a joke the the prices are a joke compared to like the what the budget would have had to be, and then who knows if it creeped and all of the other, oh, there's a surprise and we got to do it like this. And, um, whoops, we damaged the vanity when we were installing it. Was like, I want to damage the vanity installing it. I don't want somebody else to damage it.
1: Yeah. Oh, see, now you hit my buttons. Cause that's the thing that drives me crazy about contractors when they're not careful mm-hmm. and they just like bump into things. They scratch things. Like I, the guys who did my floor made like three mistakes because they were oafs. And you know, it's like, yeah. <laughs> but I still, I you know, it's not a do-it-yourself job for me. It's not an option, so I'm going to have to hire somebody.
0: Yeah, like the guitar. You know, it's mm-hmm. just not an option. Just wasn't an option. It's not feasible.
1: Yeah, you know, it's interesting. I just realized. So I've just gone through the same process in my business. So I'm starting up a new podcast, and so I I wanted help. I mean, you know me. I'm not a DIYer generally. And so I, mm. I, I was, and I asked you about this too, because I was fascinated with AI and can AI help me with this podcast. And mm. so I looked at some people that I'd seen, I did some searches and I found like three or four people, any of which would probably be fine that were, but they were all super expensive. And when I say super expensive, like $3,000 a month, which I thought was really expensive. Mm. And, and they'll do everything for you including like being there and recording it for you. I'm like, I think I could handle that myself. Mm -hmm. But um, anyway, so I was looking at all this and then I was looking at the bottom end and the bottom end was, oh, I can record here. I can edit it in this. And, you know, thinking of me doing audio editing is pretty funny. Mm -hmm. But I was like, I think AI could make this really simple. And you press this button here, you press this button here. So I logged into a couple of these things. And then I tried it. I did a sample tape and I went, oh, my God, I don't want to do this. I don't care if it's easy or hard. I hate this. Get me (laughs) out of here. Get me out of here. And so what I wound up doing instead is looking at something that was under $1,000. But not, you know, $50 a month from these other services together where they would create an experience that I wanted. Mm-hmm. I would have a dedicated audio person who would do the stuff. Um, it's more than one person. So if something happens, there's a backup. But I went through this whole process of thinking through it. And I I can't imagine that everybody who does a podcast goes or thinks about doing it, goes and looks and says, Oh. I will edit it myself here. Let's see what that looks like. Like, I was really kind of crazy about it. And Mm -hmm. I think it was probably, um, you know, fear about like just doing it. But So I need to look at every little piece. But the the firm that I've chosen was with me through that whole process and never tried to sell me um, like hard on their solution. It was just, well, this is how it works. Here's the advantages here's the disadvantages and so i you know i came to that solution but i i was never a good candidate for the do everything for me mm-hmm. and realistically i was never a good candidate for the bottom end you know mm-hmm. give me the the best DIY, tool yeah. and i'll do it myself
0: right yeah that's a, yeah I, I just it's funny like like somebody's been e- someone very helpfully has been emailing me with you know they, they're making this person would just like make twenty shorts from from like one of my podcasts, this show ditching hourly and you know did a good job. he'd send them over and he'd say, uh, you know, you can share these on YouTube if you want. I just wanted to show you like what kind of work I do and you know and they're pretty good, they're good. It's like they look like other stuff that you'd see on YouTube or whatever. and obviously the guy is like trying to get me as a client. Mm-hmm. Um, but he, he never made the ask right and i wasn't going to i wasn't going to open the conversation right so he sent it to me i'm like great thanks these look great and he did it again like a month later and again <laughs> a couple of months later and i'm like is this guy ever going to pitch me <laughs> and so finally he said you know oh you know it's i i did all of these things for you all you know uh, over the course of time. And, uh, you know, of course I I would like to get you as a client still never get sends me to a a pricing page or anything. And so I had to ask him like, well, what are your rates? And, uh, and he came back with like, you know, 2000 bucks a month. And, and I'm like, I just don't, I can't make a business case for it. Like if I'm going to spend 2000 bucks a month, like it might be, it might be that this person, it, I think he's doing them manually. He's probably using some AI tools, but they're better than AI. So he's he's probably doing a lot of work, and he's got to listen to the whole episode. So minimum, mm-hmm. he's got to put in an hour for every one. It's probably taken three four hours to do them. So so it's probably not like the greatest hourly rate, you know. But I mm-hmm. just can't make the business if I'm going to spend two thousand because I'm not. I'm not thinking this is similar to your podcast story. I'm not thinking. um whether or not it's worth $2000 for this person to spend their time doing it right it's probably a a price that is relatively low profit for this person so i'm not going to use the word fair or not fair but he probably couldn't price it much lower and feel like it was worth doing but if i'm going to spend $2000 a month on my business not on that but on my right. business it's not going to be youtube that- shorts
1: yeah that's the thing and that's what every single client what goes through their head right. when they decide to buy you. Like, what else could I use that money for?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And yeah, I felt the same way. Yeah, $3,000 a month. I mean, I could argue it's worth it. I mean, if if I get one client through that, that would certainly pay for itself. But, you know, it's like a lot of, I know. <laughs> yeah. I just, I can't bring myself to 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 write that, not that I write checks, but I can't bring myself to, to spend that.
0: So he, yes, and agreed. And he, now here's that, that, that you made. So this, this, in my case with this uh, shorts editor or whatever you would call it, uh, his promise was deliverables. It wasn't results. Right. If, if he was promising results, I'd spend it all day long. Mm-hmm. If he was pro, if he promised yeah, I'd get an additional, uh, I don't know, a hundred thousand views a month and an additional thousand subscribers a month for $2,000. Yeah. Where do i send the check mm-hmm. but that's not but that's not yeah. what he was promising yeah. he was depending on me assuming or or it being obvious to me or something that that paying the money for the deliverables would lead to something else i want which he never articulated and didn't even give me a sense of of what kind of uptick in analytics or view time or whatever His past clients had seen, it was purely deliverables. It would have been way more persuasive if he gave me some, you know, your results may vary, but this is the kind of thing that happens. And it was like, oh, you know, I see that you're, he didn't, he mentioned, I don't think he mentioned anything about my subscriber count or my view time or anything, which would be the only thing I care about because that's the sort of, that's the sort of prime indicator on how you're doing on YouTube. It's like
1: siloed thinking you know it's like mm-hmm. because this is my expertise and i can apply it and this can be better versus well what is your client value yeah. and how does this deliver an outcome that they value preferably value highly
0: yeah right like i, I would connect you know if i was if i was having uh, i don't know if i had multiple video if i was getting regularly getting videos with like 30 40000 views i would connect that down i would i would make the leap I would trust that that would lead to good things down the line. But if that's not, if that's not what I'm paying for, if that's not on offer, if that's not even discussed as a, a likelihood, then, you know, I'm, I'm out. Like, I don't yeah. want to litter YouTube with a bunch of one minute videos, good, bad, or otherwise, if they're not going to do something good for the viewers and good for me. So mm-hmm. if, if you can't even give me a prediction of what your expectations would be after the first month, then I, I can't even make a, I can't. There's no, it's like, do you want it? You want three flats of shingles? It's like, why? You know, it's just like a piece that doesn't connect downstream to anything obvious to me. So
1: well, it's it's a little bit like the evolution of an expert. I won't say an authority. I'll just stick with expert, the evolution of an expert where this guy is probably really great at what he does and he's mechanically, he knows what to do. He knows what to choose. But what he hasn't done yet is to connect his expertise to the outcomes his ideal clients value most. He's probably doing a spray and pray with this, mm-hmm. like finding people who already have a YouTube channel. I mean, he may be focusing it on some level, but he's, he's maybe at the halfway point in his development as an expert because he hasn't yet figured out, or we're making this assumption, he hasn't yet figured out how to connect his work to results that are bigger than him.
0: Well, he listens to the show, so he's going to hear it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> so yeah, so get back to me. How how many, yeah. you know, how many view, uh, views or whatever, like the analytics that someone like me would care about, what's the likelihood of reaching those for those prices? And, and yeah. then we can talk darky.
1: Yeah, because that's what that's what scares clients. It's like, am I investing in this and what's going to happen? And mm-hmm. it's not even that they necessarily need a guarantee but they they're looking for an order of magnitude.
0: Yeah, in the ballpark.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You know. Cool. Well, I didn't realize he was listening, so
0: <laughs> Yeah. Awesome. Pro- probably will hear it. Uh cool. Well, I don't know. Do we do we land the plane? Um I, I feel like if nothing else, the takeaway and this is this is for me too. I've been noticed. I've been thinking about this like while <laughs> carting plaster out to the driveway for 10 days, it's like, like analyzing my, I'm perfectly happy to do it, really enjoying it. I'm not optimizing the, the job for efficiency. I'm opt, optimizing it for joy and, and fun. So it's taken me longer than it would if I was like, really, really, you know, put the hammer down, so to speak. Uh, so I've had a lot of time to think about like, what, what are the motivations here as a buyer, air quotes, buyer of this hiring myself to do this? What are the motivations? What are the pros and cons? Why, why did that, you know, You know, knowing full well that outsourcing or automating or you know taking things off your plate and understanding opportunity costs, why would I do this? Why am I enjoying this? And uh, so I've been thinking about a lot. And I and if nothing else, I think exposing the complexity of the thought process, like it's so much more nuanced than than it probably looks from the outside. Like, oh, this guy's cheap; he's going to do his own bathroom. It's like no, (laughs) it's Mm -hmm. way more complicated than that. And if you, and I think, dear listener, if you analyze some of your bigger purchase decisions, especially ones that are project oriented, not just products, I mean, people don't generally buy a lot of project type stuff. But when you analyze your own thought processes, realize that if you're presenting your clients with a, you know, a long term, high ticket engagement, then they're probably going through a lot of the same, you know, Mechanics in their mind and wondering all these different things, Uh, and at a certain point, like you just you just can't force them to see what's see the value because they're looking at it in a completely different way than you are. Yeah, it's
1: it's their viewpoint and their mindset, yeah, and their values related to the project. Mm -hmm. And there are people who will DIY not because they want to necessarily, but because it feels like their safest option.
0: Hmm. Yeah.
1: So yeah, our job is to make us look safer.
0: The safest option.
1: Yeah, it really is.
0: Cool. All right. Well, that's it for this week. I'm Jonathan Stark.
1: And I'm Rochelle Moulton.
0: And we hope you join us again next time for the business of authority. Bye.
1: Bye. Bye.